The Google Podcast app is going away in April. Right now, I want you to take a look at the podcast app you're using right now. Maybe it's time for a new one. Check out podcastapps.com and try a new one for free right now. That's podcastapps.com. Hey guys, we're here to ask for some reviews on Apple Podcast. If you love our podcast, we really want you to jump on and rate and review us. Not because we just need constant reassurance that no, we're doing we do. a great Yeah, no, we, we do. do. But th- these reviews actually do help boost us up so more people see us. We've been looking at our latest reviews. And we just want to thank Kay McMillie. She said, I randomly discovered this podcast and have been working my way through the episodes. I was hooked immediately from episode one. I found that the stories are interesting, personal, and intimate. It's almost as if I'm in class myself. Earlier episodes may have some resorting recording sound issues, which is true. But the later episodes, the host finally learns how to enunciate. No, kidding. Um, don't have these issues. If you're offended by profanity, this... <laughs> This This is actually a really good review. (laughs) Yeah. We like to say fuck. Okay. For everyone else, dive in and enjoy. Um, I trust her. I love her. She didn't just say everything was great. No. She told the truth. She said good and bad. Yeah. Okay. love her. Okay. And how about Kitty Cat? Kiki Cat. One, two, 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 three. I cannot stop listening to these stories and love both Andrea and Allison as hosts. Woo! <laughs> All I would want is to be in one of these classes. This has given me the courage to start writing. Okay, Kiki Cat, you can be in these classes. We do private classes via Skype, FaceTime, or whatever it is, Zoom, meetings. We can sit down and we can have a class. If you have a group that wants to get together, give us a call. We can make it happen for you. Also, email us and tell us where you live because if we take the show on the road, we will come to you. And you can come to the Sanibel Island Writers Conference in November. So many ways to get in our class. We want you there. Yeah. Okay, so that's enough business for the day. This is Writing Class Radio, where you'll hear true personal stories from the students in our class and learn a little bit about how to write your own stories. I'm Andrea Askowitz, the teacher of the class. And I'm Allison Langer, a student in the class. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit and figure out who we are. There's no better place in the world like writing class. And work out our shit. (laughs) And we want to bring you in. We want you to experience what we experience. Before we dive into our show, we want to let you know our fall writing contest is on. The prompt? A time you had an unpopular opinion. (laughs) Deadline is September 30th, 2018. Details on our website. Okay, today on our show, we're talking about compassion and families and the legacy they leave. We're also talking about how to write about those people in our lives who have fucked us up. And who hasn't been fucked up by a parent? However, nobody wants to hear a rant. We must get to know the characters from all sides, which means all the good things and all the ugly things. Nobody is all good or all bad, much like our review. By telling the good and the bad, we trust you as a narrator, which is why we trusted that reviewer. She wasn't just like, praise, praise for writing class radio. She was like, writing class radio is really good. But it also had some sound problems at one point. Liz Marquardt is a student in our class who has told stories on the podcast before. 
She does a great job of characterizing her dad in the story we're bringing you today. Before we get to her story, we got her on the phone. We love her and we want you guys to get to know her a little better. Here she is. Hi. (laughs) Can you hear us? Yes, I can. Hey, Liz. Thank you for talking to us in the middle of the day. We just had a couple questions for you. We love your story. You're so lovable. We wanted to bring you in a little bit more. (laughs) Thank you. I grew up in New York State, about an hour north of New York City in Orange County, New York. Uh, I've been a CPA for about 25 years. Uh, I also uh, am an attorney. I don't practice law, but I got my law degree back in 2006. I went back to school and did that too. Not sure why, but I am an accountant and an attorney. (laughs) Okay, we just fell asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I wish I could shut her up. (laughs) But that's the point. Liz Marquardt is an attorney. Who are we interviewing here? Okay, go ahead, Liz. Tell us more. Tell us what brought you to writing class. So I have always liked to write as a hobby. In 2015, it was a, you know, it was a tough year. My dad passed away. I was going through major career upheaval. Um, My dog passed away. My other dog was dying. It was just a time where I just decided that I really wanted to do things that I had always wanted to do. I signed up for a writing class at Miami-Dade College that summer and took a great class with Dan Gretsch, which was a combination of using improv comedy techniques to develop story and stand-up comedy and writing are two of my main interests. So it was a great class and that's that's how I met the famous Andrea Askowitz. It all comes back. Just shut up and let her tell her story. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Dan was great because he was very positive. He just, you know, was just write, just keep writing, you know, and it wasn't, he wasn't a harsh editor. He wasn't critical, which is what I needed for my first class to think that, hey, you know, I, I love doing this and, you know, maybe I, maybe I can get better at it. Is that what you needed from your second class? (laughs) So how did you hear about us? So I met Andrea in the class with Dan, and she would say, hey, there's this seminar going on or this class, and she would sort of let me know things that were going on around town. And once she told me about writing class radio, I was super excited when I got into the class. I feel like in the two years that I've been taking the class, my writing has improved incredibly. I mean, I just, I've always been a good, you know, technical writer for my job, but writing my own stories. And when I started, I, I was still really struggling and trying to find what my voice and what I wanted to talk about and learning that sometimes you sit down to write something and then you write something completely different. And that, that doesn't mean you're a bad writer. That's actually how writing works. With you guys, you always tell me, you know, you cut and cut and cut and you actually say so much more and so much less writing, you know, to get to that final piece that really tells the story. And I feel like my writing's improved, you know, way beyond I ever thought it would be able to in such a short amount of time. And I still think it has a long way to go, but I think it's improved a lot. I've I, I mean, it's, it's sound like I, I don't like I don't want to use a cliche, but it, it was a life changing experience to take this class because I finally sort of met this tribe of people who are writers that I feel like I 
fit in with. I mean, I've worked in a profession and been very successful for 25 years, but I've always, people have always thought that, you know, my personality and my hobbies or my interests or my sense of humor, you know, is unusual for an accountant. I get that all the time. And in writing, it's, you know, that's where my heart is. And that's where um, I, I've just been able to uh, express myself in ways I've never been able to before. And also really take a deep dive into why I am the person that I am and all the things that have happened to me in my life that I've really just tucked away. Some things for 40 years I've never thought about until I sat down in class and started writing about it. For me, it was a very positive, awesome experience. And I feel like I just scratched the surface that there's so much more to write about and think about and learn. We'll never leave class. You're invited back every (laughs) semester. I just want to say that what Liz said was has always been true for me. And I have had my own revelations with writing and I've said it in my writing and it, you've seen it on the podcast and everything like that. But it's interesting to hear it from a student, you know, just to know that. And I know our listeners send us things saying how just hearing other stories and sharing their stories has changed their life. And it does. And that's why we do this. And actually, that's the first time we've ever asked her. So I didn't I didn't really know Thank you, Liz, for telling us your origin story with Writing Class Radio. Here's Liz with her story, Ugly. I was standing with my family in a dark, gloomy funeral home in the Bronx, New York, trying to stay away from the casket that was at the back of the room. At nine years old, this was the first time I had been in the same room with a dead body. I peeked at it, and the old lady inside looked like a wax figure. I was trying not to fidget, but I hated being in a dress, and this place creeped me out. I was standing next to my dad's mother. I didn't know who any of these people were, even though many of them were related to us. Grandma Holland is what we called my dad's mother, but calling her Grandma felt weird since I barely knew her. Grandma Holland scared me. She looked just like my dad, but with curly red 1960s I Love Lucy style hair and wearing a polyester pantsuit. She had the same expression that my dad always had, which meant if they weren't smiling, which they rarely were, they looked like they were angry, even when they were sleeping. When Grandma Holland introduced me to another stranger at the funeral home, the woman looked at me and said, Oh, your granddaughter is so pretty. I smiled and quietly said, Thank you. As a woman walked away, Grandma Holland leaned over and whispered in my ear, You're not pretty. I stood there in stunned silence. I never thought I was pretty, since I was always the shortest, skinniest kid in my class and had an overbite that braces hadn't fixed yet. But I did think that was mean. Grandma Holland's visits were brief and rare. Whenever she was around, my dad seemed agitated. During each visit, Grandma Holland would pull my father's side to talk to him, and he would look really upset, almost like he was going to cry. I never saw him cry, or even back down to anybody, so I always wondered what she was scolding him for. Come on, Elizabeth, I'll race you to the end of the parking lot, my dad said as we were walking to the car after the funeral. We lined up, and I took off as fast as I could, but as usual, I lost. I'm never fast enough. If only I could have pushed myself a little harder, maybe I could have won. 
There was never a choice but to accept his challenges. I had no chance of beating him since he was in really good shape due to his very physical job as a pipe fitter and plumber. But I started every race thinking that maybe this time I can beat him, but I never did. Do you know what started World War II, Elizabeth? He asked one day as he sat at the kitchen counter. No, I said. What did they teach you at that school? You need to know history to understand current events, he said, and then went back to reading his book and eating his dinner alone at the kitchen counter, still in his dirty work clothes, as he did most nights after his post-work stop at the Acorn Pub. The contest and history quiz were the nights he was in a rare decent mood, or that he was home at all. The questions were always historical or factual, never personal, like how was your day at school? He didn't know what grade I was in, who my teacher was, or even what day my birthday was. My friends' dads all knew those things, and they came to their ball games and school plays. I resented that he wasn't there, but sometimes I was glad he didn't come because I didn't want some drunken scene in front of my friends either. I was never going to be smart or athletic enough to impress him, but I worked hard in school so I could get into college and get away from him. Women don't need to go to college. They're just going to get married, so it's a waste of money, my dad frequently said to my mom. She silently disagreed with him, and when the time came, she helped me figure out how to go in spite of him. What is this shit, my dad said as he looked at the dinner my mom had left for him one night when I was 11 years old. It's chicken parmesan. I thought you liked Italian food, she said, and went to heat it up. He picked up the plate and threw it across the kitchen, tomato sauce running down the yellow 1970s kitchen cabinets and onto the dirt-colored linoleum floor. I hate chicken. I work all day, and you can't even make something decent for me to eat? You're fucking useless, he yelled. Do you want me to make you a steak, my mom said, as she started to clean up the mess. No, I don't want any of the shit you make, my father said, and stormed out of the house. Once he left, my brother and I went to bed and hoped that there wasn't going to be a part two to the scene when he finally came back. One night, when I was 13, we came home from my aunt's house after swimming in her pool for the day. My father was angry that my mother wasn't home in time to cook dinner. He met us outside as we trudged up our steep driveway. He grabbed my mother and pushed her down the driveway towards her car, my brother and I yelling at him to stop. His normally blue eyes looked black and distorted behind his Coke bottle glasses, and he was yelling and continuing to push her. First, he ripped open the car door and threw her in the front seat. You don't want to be home on time? Well, get out and stay out of my house, he screamed. He then pulled her out of the car and threw her down on the driveway. He grabbed the car keys out of her hand and kept yelling at her. I paid for this car, so you can't use it. You can walk the fuck out of here, he said, and my, <clears throat> he said, and my mom sat on the ground crying. He stormed back up the driveway and went into the house and slammed the front door closed. I ran over to my mom, scared that he'd really hurt her. Are you okay, Mom, I said. Yes, she said, let's go. She stood up brushed the gravel and dirt off her shorts and straightened her shirt that was hanging off her shoulder. Then my brother and I helped her pick up her stuff from her purse, which was scattered all over the driveway. As my brother, my mom, and I walked up the steep street we lived on, our neighbor, Mr. Berman, yelled out this front door, Do you need a ride, Bet? No, thanks, Andy. We're fine, my mom said. Then the three of us walked the hour it took to get to town. From the payphone at Kmart, we called my aunt and uncle to come pick us up. My aunt was fuming when she saw my mom's skinned knees and bruised arms. He's an animal. You need to divorce him, my aunt said.
back seat of my uncle's Jaguar was so comfortable. The wood was so pretty. Everything clean and neat. It felt safe there, and I dreaded the thought of having to go back home at some point. My mom and aunt went back to the house the next day when my father was at work and got our clothes and school books so we could go to school. Eventually, my father asked my mom to come back and told her that this would never happen again. And so we came back home, like we always did, and he always did it again. When my dad's mother passed away many years later at the age of 91, I still barely knew her. I was out of the country, so I didn't go to the funeral. I hauled home, and it was a rare occasion that my dad answered the phone. Sorry about your mother, I said. Thanks, he said. Here's your mother, and he handed the phone to my mom. I had no idea how he felt about his mother dying, or how I felt about it. I didn't think about her again until over a decade later when my dad passed away in 2015. As my mom, brother, and I went through old albums and saw pictures of him and his parents and brother, his mother always looked angry or distant in the pictures. She never smiled, even when she was with her young children or when the kids looked like they were doing something fun. For the first time, I wondered what had happened to her to make her that way. I got the sad feeling that she had taken whatever that was out on those two little boys who grew up to be very damaged adults. One, a brilliant, yet belligerent, violent, and abusive alcoholic, and the other, a closeted gay man who could never hold a job and who died of AIDS alone in his filthy apartment in Miami Beach. Now that they are all gone, nobody will ever know what really happened in their house or in their childhoods. But I'm pretty sure all of our ugly started with her. Before we discuss Liz's story, a word from our sponsors. Welcome back. This is Andrea, and today we're talking about compassion as it relates to characters in our stories. I think Liz does such a great job of um, showing us the grandmother and then the dad character And um, especially with the dad character, she shows us the dad in a loving way in some points. Like, I actually thought that when the dad was racing, like, let's race, like, I thought that was cute and fun. And then it sort of started to go sour. Like, when the dad was um, asking her about World War II, like, I wasn't exactly sure how to take that question. But at least the dad was taking an interest in the daughter. But then Liz, the narrator, showed us very quickly that he didn't really care about her as a person. He didn't ask her personal questions. Well, yeah. I mean, I think the question, the way it was presented about World War II is like, hello, aren't you in school? Shouldn't you know this shit? And I think that was representative of even the race. Like, they're running. And of course you can't beat me. I'm better. Everything was about him and his low self-esteem that this obviously grandmother, this crazy grandma, Mm -hmm. made him feel like shit his whole life. Right, maybe. But we don't really know why he was racing the daughter, and we don't really know why he was asking about World War II. But we do slowly start to understand that he's a bitter, angry man. So it's like slowly goes down until he becomes really ugly. And then we see him being abusive 
And then the narrator goes back and shows us what the grandmother and the father look like. That was the part where I, what I love. Like, she shows us the legacy through how they looked. Like, they both had that same sourpuss face, which I thought was so well done. And then at the very, very end, she tries to understand what made her dad so ugly and what made her grandmother so ugly. I, just being the heart person in here. There you go again. Yeah. I just want to know, like, where, how it, how long it took her to get to that place. Like, if she was angry uh, with her dad when they were stuck on the streets and watching her mom get beaten up and pulled around. And, I mean, that's that's a hard thing for kids to process. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if this story was going to get deeper, that's where I would want it. You know, essays are so hard because you're you're trying to make a point in one essay and it's hard to pull in your entire life. I was going to say that I think that this essay is done and it's excellent as is. And I would love more essays, more stories about about her legacy, about what that did to her. Yeah, exactly. How did all that fighting inform her character? How did being right. called ugly as a child, like what did that do to her? Yeah, like I think she could write another story called Ugly ugly or pretty like what does she think about just that question yeah well i mean it's pretty clear in here that she's processed it in a very healthy way she's said mm-hmm. she's she's and, it, and it's such a great way to look at things because our parents are in very imperfect and instead of being so critical to really be compassionate and isn't that what storytelling is right we're, we're showing you yeah mm-hmm. our flaws and we're saying love me anyway So I think it's a beautiful story and a beautiful way to write the story. And we're really, really grateful that she shared this story with us. Yeah. Thank you, Liz. Excellent. For all your stories that you share. A few reminders before we go. Andrea is on number 14 of her weekly essay challenge. Check out her stories on our blog. And you still have time to enter our fall writing contest. The deadline is September 30th, 2018. The prompt? A time you had an unpopular opinion. It could be big, small, whatever. Anyway, all the details are on our website. If you have a business or a startup, let Andrea help you tell that story. She'll come to your office and teach all your employees how to better articulate why they do what they do. Because stories sell. And I'm for hire too. Let me help you write a better blog. Or let me help your high school rising seniors refine their college essay. Early decision deadline is November 1st. If you can't meet in person, we can meet over Zoom or Skype or FaceTime. There's no excuses. So to start now, email info at writingclassradio.com or check our website for details. Writing Class Radio is produced by Virginia Laura, Andrea Askowitz, and me, Allison Langer. Theme music by Ari Herstand. And additional music by Kai Engel, Ari Herstand, and Poddington Bear. Writing Class Radio is sponsored by and recorded at the University of Miami School of Communication. This episode was also sponsored by the Sanibel Island Writers Conference, November 8th through the 11th, 2018. And by James Massiarelli, author of Beyond Beauport. If you like women sea captains and pirate adventures, this book is for you. A new episode will drop the first Wednesday of every month, so look for us. Until then, if you want inspiration in video form, we have a three-part series for sale on our website. Andrea and I give you our top writing tips, $20 for one or just $50 for all three. We also have a free publishing guide. You've written an essay. 
or you're almost finished with your essay. Well, now what? Where do you send your story for publication? How do you format that story? Do you need a cover letter? Join our mailing list and the guide is free. There's more writing class on our website, Twitter, and Facebook. Study the stories we study and listen to our craft talks. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Liz Marquart on the phone. Oh my god! I'm you're talking so too loud. I'm too loud. excited. Yes, ca- take a deep breath. No, Everyone every time take I a deep do breath. this, I, I'm a slightly um, caffeine <sighs> overdose. That's how I like to work. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance, and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at ivisonvoice.com slash podcast.